All right, welcome to Data Hurls. My name is Michael Burke. And I'm Chris Detzel. And today we're going to talk about data. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that, aren't you? Absolutely. Welcome to another podcast episode on Data Hurdles. I'm Chris Detzel and... I'm Michael Burke. Hey, Michael, how are you? Good, thanks. How are you doing, Chris? Doing well. I hear you're on vacation, so that's always fun. I am. I am. It's 8.30 in the morning, and uh, we're doing a podcast, so I'm excited. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm excited, too. What's today's topic? Today's topic is the data-driven consumer experience. And for those that are new to this line of work, what that really is, is, you know, as a consumer, right, a company is targeting you with multiple different channels of advertisements and communications, and they're also collecting information about you from multiple different sources, whether it could be the data on the fo your phone, right, your app, when you visit their website, when you go into their store. And this um, means of a omni-channel or data-driven consumer experience is really, how do you take that holistic collection of information and derive value out of it for a company to increase specific targets like revenue or activity or engagement. Um, so today we're going to dive into, you know, how does that work? And what is some of the data that companies can track? And what does it really mean for you as a consumer? Yeah, I like that. And, and uh, you know, that's such a scary, I mean, when you think about it, it's pretty cool what these technologies can do. But as a consumer, you think, wow, that's kind of scary. But yet we allow it to happen on a daily basis. <laughs> so um, so how how do businesses really collect that customer data? How how does that happen? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean it, it is it is a little scary. I think everybody knows like data is being collected, right? Yeah. And I think most people kind of joke, like, oh, my data is already on the internet, you know, so I'm not too yeah. worried. But I think what they don't realize and what they're unaware of is that it's not just about your data being on the internet or like your location being tracked on a mobile app. It's the combination of this information used from sometimes even multiple separate companies to build a profile of you that may be more informed about your decisions for things like buying than you are. Right. Yeah. And I think that when we talk about, you know, the scary pieces to this, which, you know, uh, you know, for in some cases, you know, there is regulation now and, and things are getting better. But this idea of being able to join and connect data from sometimes even multiple companies that are collecting a little piece of your information from different sources to build this, you know, complete understanding of you can be used to do things that are really good and beneficial. But sometimes it can also be optimized, um, you know, for things that aren't so great, right? And I really, uh, you know, concerning, I think. And if consumers were aware of it, they'd be much more concerned on the terms and conditions that they accept on things like, you know, mobile apps and, and websites. Now, that's, that's quite interesting. Tell me a little bit more about, you know, how this is happening, because are they, are these companies buying data from other companies to kind of do that? And then what are some like examples of how these businesses are doing that to optimize yeah, so the customer experience, really? You know what I mean? Organizations are, are buying data, they're um, generating data from user input, and they're also collecting statistics and aggregations based on these terms and services. So there's really three kinds of data, right? Uh, there's zero-party data, 
which is information that um, you are actually inputting into a product, right? So it could be filling out an, a form on a website. There's first party data, which is collecting statistics uh, or information about a customer from a product that you own, right? So we can talk about um, the location of your mobile phone, right? Because you've opted into a service that collects yes. that. And then there's third party data, which is everything else in the universe that you can go out as an organization and purchase about a customer. And so combining these three sources, especially if you have multiple touch points, right? If you have a mobile app, if you have a website, if you have a, you know, in-store tracking of customers and POS systems, when you consolidate that information and unify that information, all of a sudden, it's not just about collecting a location, right? You're a, you know, let's say you're a, a junk food company, right? And you have an awareness of a person who lives 500 feet down the street from the place that your, your product's being sold, right? You know when they go and purchase it um, because they're part of the rewards program. And you also know, you know, something about their health. Let's just say something a little bit more risky. You know something about their health. You know they're overweight, right? Well, yeah. knowing these buying patterns, it would be fairly easy to start writing a model that could target this customer to purchase your product when they were craving something most, right? And I think that when you think about this information, when consumers think about this information, they think, oh, they just know where I am. But when they know where you are, they know when you're hungry, they know what kind of things you crave, all of a sudden it becomes something where when they send you that message, it could just be the little tip to push you over the edge to make a purchase that you otherwise wouldn't have, right? And I think that's the real power of omnichannel marketing and omnichannel engagement. And it's not a bad thing necessarily. We're making kind of a dark and gloomy example of this, but there also are really Jeez, good things. Michael. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. There are also really good things like, you know, health and fitness apps or things that are trying to optimize you to improve your life, right? Yeah. And, in certain ways. Well, let's, uh, and so even let's in the consumer like, space. Let's just think about like, Garmin and Apple, they're, they're starting to, to – they have been collecting tons of health data around how much are people running, walking, you know, when is their menstrual cycles and all these kinds of things. You know, my wife's like, no way. I'm not putting that information in there. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's just too personal. But they are collecting that, and people are giving that information, right? It's not. I'm not saying yeah, it's gloomy. All I'm saying is they're collecting that, and that sounds like – you know, kind of back to your junk food scenario. Uh, but just think of those junk food uh, companies new, I call it junk food. Let's just call them candy or whatever. Doritos, those kind of places knew that you worked out a little bit, but, you know, but they knew all that kind of health information. Would they be sending, maybe they'll send you healthier snacks type stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it, that is true, <laughs> right? It could be optimized in the opposite way. Um you know, just to touch on one thing too, with yeah. with Apple and the healthcare data, that's a great example actually, because Apple in general has tried and made, I would say, industry leading efforts, right, to protect customers' data or at least make you more aware of what you're sharing. Yeah. And in the healthcare data space, they're also using that information if you opt in to their analytics to help do things that are actually beneficial to both Apple as a device company and to the general public. And I think that, you know, one of the things that 
I've seen on companies that are acting really responsible with information is anything they create, they try to make a real consumer value, right? So, you know, for example, Apple has the um, heart rate monitoring where it can detect if you are about to have a heart attack, right? Yeah, supposedly. That information was trained off of the data they collected from their device mm. in a, you know, responsible way, right? It's de-anonymized. And at that point, you're looking at patterns of information to try to solve an issue which could provide a huge amount of benefit to a customer of Apple, right? If they were to have a heart attack or something like that. Um, you know, so they're trying to make a product that uses data, but it uses data in a way that truly benefits a customer. Right? I mean, so, it benefits them too. Let's just be honest. Like it's a huge, you, you, my assumption is that for people to give you that information, you have to give them a reason to give you that information, right? Or give Apple that information. So it's to their benefit to 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 make sure that this is for them. You know what I mean? Like, I think, I mean, why else would somebody want to give you all their information about their health and everything else? So, I mean, yeah, sure. it kind of it, I mean, fun it certainly for the consumer is, is important. <laughs> it certainly <laughs> is, right? Sense. And, you know, but the big difference, I think, is that, um, and, you know, I've, I've talked about this before, is that Apple is, first and foremost, a device company, right? Yeah. And many of these other organizations that started as data companies, mm. their incentives and alignment and how they use data can change, right? Oh. And I'm not trying to sit, put Apple on a pedestal. I'm sure that they have their challenges as well, right? And they probably struggle with all of these things, like every modern company today. Sure. But what I was saying was that it is interesting to see how, depending on the company, you know, where they originated from and what kind of values they put on information really help align that strategy and, and really can help align that strategy to are you using data for good to make a product better uh, and or are you using it to kind of uh, do more exploitative measures, right? Like, are you taking, um, are, you, are you using data in a way that even if a consumer accepted those policies, they wouldn't be happy about it, right? The trade-off isn't there. You know, the yeah. I don't think the the person who's buying the junk food, if they knew that the reason they couldn't lose weight is because they're getting these targeted advertisements at just the right time <laughs> to get them to go out and buy candy would be really happy about that, right? Um, well, of course they should so know. You, I mean, hello, this is the world we live yeah. in. But you're right. You're absolutely right. And there's some very positives and negatives on ways to do that. And I do believe that, you know, people are something my wife tells me all the time, and I don't completely agree with her, but it's people make their own decisions, right? But we are highly uh, influenced by things that are pushed to us, right? By, you know, those kinds of things. And, and I think it's, it's, it's tough because if people are trying to lose weight or, you know, you look at America, we're like, we're not to get in the weight thing, but we are truly like, you know, one of the biggest couple or, uh, people in the in the world you know because of the junk food and everything else and so to me that's not a good way because i like to be healthy i like to do running and stuff like that but i love ice cream and you know if that's in my face all the time go get some ice cream you know what i mean like yeah but so to kind of get back on track a little bit uh what so from a business standpoint you know what are the benefits of using data and improve customer experience 
you think? Oh my gosh. I mean, if you think about like more common examples of this, right? Sometimes customers are genuinely interested in a product, right? They're looking to buy something in a specific category. And if you have access to some of that information, whether it's through third party, you know, being able to purchase this data from other companies that collect it or first party or zero party, you can optimize and significantly increase, increase the revenue for the organization, right? And you can also give customers products that they want at the right time. So the whole other side of this consumerism is, you know, I don't know if you've seen this, but if you're on your social media platforms, sometimes you get an ad for a product and you're like, wow, that was like just the thing I was looking for, right? Yeah. And I was just talking you know, about this, you know? <laughs> and, and, and that is, you know, I think a really good thing because you found demand, you found a customer that actually wants a product yeah. and you've given him, you've, you've presented them an offering at the right time, at the right place when they're looking for it. And yeah. to me, that is a great use of, of data. If it's something that a customer really wants and they're going to benefit from, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'll so when you agree. look at it like that, you're making, you're making the, the experience of finding new things easier for the customer, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's so much stuff out there. It's hard to know exactly what you might need. You know, like I remember one time at the, you know, be funny, but I was thinking about, and I just was thinking about like a, a nose hair, ear hair trimmer or whatever. I need a really good one. I might've said something to my wife and all of a sudden I get this ad <laughs> that says mm -hmm. buy a nose hair trimmer. And I was like, what the hell? And I bought it. <laughs> you know you what know, I mean? Like, that yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. It's, it's wild. And, and some of these companies have gotten so good at this, right? Uh, I guess. Yeah. And it's a little, it can be really scary, right? Because you're like, wow, well, I needed that and I bought it. But, you know, it does poke at the question of, did you really need it? You know, yeah, or was I mean, this something that you were slowly kind of stepped it. into, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think this is the kind of like weird balance that we're working through right now as a society is, you know, when you get to this point of hyper tailored parameterized information, you start to ask yourself, well, do I really have a choice in like what I'm interested in? Or am I just getting fed a bunch of really highly curated ads that are leading me towards this buying pattern? Right. Yeah. Um, but, you know, again, like most people are happy. They were given a product that was super tuned to things that they actually needed and they bought it. Um, no, I agree. I, yeah. So I want to go it, down. Go ahead. No, go for it. Now, so we were going to get into some security questions, but I want to kind of skip some of those because I'm, I'm, I'm more interested in uh, kind of this, how to measure. So how, how can businesses measure the success of their data-driven customer experience initiatives? Because I want to get to more of the business side, because I think it's highly important to think about this. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're starting, you know, this type of, of project and you're a company that wants to get more involved in collecting data to answer these questions, start off with a super simplified, hyper-focused objective, right? Don't go off and say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to answer and, and determine everything about a customer at once. Think about what are really the key drivers. The first thing is you want to have a really targeted 
and simple outcome, right? If you are a, you know, no, no matter what business you are, right, you need to have an understanding of your customers. And to have that understanding, you have to have awareness of what are the things they're doing? How are they interacting with your product or service, right? Um, so when you think about that can, that can be completely different depending on the organization, right? But start to think about what are the touch points, right? Do customers really come to your website? Do they fill out surveys <laughs> for customer satisfaction? You know, are, do you have a mobile app, right? What kind of information could you collect to help answer the key questions? I know I'm talking a little bit vague and obscure, but if we were to give another example, like a, you know, digital product, right? Yeah. There are tons of touch points depending on how you're marketing to that customer, um, you know, if it's an in-store product, there's going to be a whole other set of metrics that you're going to need to be concerned about to deliver that product to a user at the right time and place. Yeah. And, you know, when I, when I think about a consumer, you know, and let's just, let's just simplify the problem a little bit and say it's a consumer that's looking to buy, um, a, a, you know, piece of article of clothing, right. As an example. Yeah. That buying process doesn't start at the store, right? It doesn't start, might not even start at like their mobile app. It may start, you know, on a website or through a yeah. referral from another person who buys that product. You know, it may start from a social media search, right? Where you're looking right. at, you know, what are the top X pieces of clothing for this year that are in style, right? And so, as you step through this journey with a customer from somebody who is completely unaware of your product to somebody who's ready to buy and looking for that location, you have to think about all of those touch points really. And you have to think about where does that data come from? What is important to answer this question and how does it drive a more holistic picture of kind of the age and stage of my customers as they engage in these buying patterns, right? Yeah. You know, uh, it, it reminds me of, um, to some degree of what B2B companies are trying to do from what they think of as account-based marketing, right? So there's different touch points. Now this is, you know, accounts and many people within the accounts, but when you think of like a B2C kind of thing, there's multiple touch points to where maybe somebody searched something, maybe somebody, maybe that same person later kind of uh, did a video or watched a video about it or I don't know, whatever it was, there's multiple touch points and then bam, you hit them with the right ad at the right time. You know what I mean? Same thing as kind of digital marketing in a B2B company, but B2C companies are really good at it. You know, does that make absolutely. sense? Absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. And there's these really interesting hybrids that have emerged because of the ability mm -hmm. to collect data of things like B2C to B, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and when you think about that, you know, what if you have a personal product and a business product and you've got personal adopters of this product that are using it right on a day-to-day -day basis and they're actually bringing that product into their organizations and you're seeing adoption in the b2b play through those interactions of you know after a certain number of users start using it within an organization all of a sudden the company switches over and adopts the business product right yeah there are so many strategies like this that are emerging because people are identifying and understanding that end-to-end -end pattern, right? They know so well of the job that the customer needs and why they purchased or hired the service that they can understand that right time to switch over and to say, hey, we can bring this into the business, right? There's a strategy here. You know, people yeah. are using your this mobile app for 
X, Y, and Z use cases within the workplace, you know? And when you get into true product-led growth, I feel like this is a huge kind of, if you do have that data and you have these like happy paths or organized journeys of customers, you can start to use that information to inform you on what to do next, right? What markets you need to expand into, what different, you know, or should you build a B2B product? Um, so I do think that, you know, it's this cyclical kind of snowball effect, right? As you have more data and you have more organized ways of understanding the customer journey, yeah, you start to be able to come up with new products, new services that even further tailor to their needs. Um, I'll be interested to hear kind of if you are up to speed on, you know, the technologies and tools that are available to help businesses analyze that customer data. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I mean, there's, Again, this is one of these things where there's so many tools out there. And it probably depends. Over. B2C, B2B, you know, there's a lot of tools out there, but I'd love to just kind of hear what you're thinking about there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the most common things are these tools like, you know, your Google Analytics or, right. you know, the ones that everybody has, your, you know, Facebook open graph data, right, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they got rid of that yet. I haven't done this in a long time, but um but then there are these more kind of advanced ways of embedding tracking and companies, honestly, like, like Reltio, the company we work for, yeah. help consolidate that information in real time, right? So there's, there's the, the points where you're actually collecting the information, which can be something as simple as, uh, you know, an engineer writes a code to grab a certain data point at a certain time, or a mobile app has some enabled service to track your location or whatnot. But having that data in its raw form really isn't super useful, right? Because it's, it's yeah. siloed, it's disorganized, it's kind of on an array of different options. And most people honestly don't have the technical capabilities to munge or transform that information into something useful. However, if you consolidate that information down to something that business stakeholders and other people within the organization who aren't looking at this data every day, 24-7, um, you can provide them with this tool belt of essentially high-level profile information that enables them to make better products and make more of these kind of decision points within an organization. So some of the top tools, again, you, you need to have your tracking piece, right? That's actually yep. tracking all of these events and consolidating them. There's a number of different tools. There's, you know, cloud data platforms or consumer data platforms. There are um, analytics trackers, like what we talked about with Google and Facebook. There are mobile app integrations um, and, you know, a number of other things. We haven't even gotten into like the physical tracking of things like supply chain or, um, you know, POS systems. Yeah. And then if you I mean, step into, go ahead, Chris. No, no go ahead. I was going to say, if you step into kind of the consolidation, okay, we have all this raw data, we need to consolidate it. There's, there's a lot of people that do that themselves. There's MDMs. Um, there are more tailored use cases for specific outcomes. But honestly, if I was starting a company today, I would look for something that consolidates this information at a much more generalized level because, yeah. you know, this information doesn't need to just be used for, you know, targeting marketing campaigns. It also is a way, like what we were saying earlier, to actually build better products, right? And so if you're tracking information about how all these users are coming into your pipeline, and then you're also tracking it for how they're engaging and using the product, the true outcome is what they do after that, right? 
And that's, yeah. I think, a, a really big measure of success, which is how are they working to better enhance or grow the company? You know, are they referring people to the platform? Are they talking about it on social media? And that's where you get to some really cool, in, you know, um, insights about things like measuring the virality of a product, you know, mm. but you can't really measure the virality of a product well if you don't have a complete holistic understanding of the customers and what actions they're taking within your product. So, so interesting. It's, it's funny because I think data just can be messy. It's really hard. I'll, I'll give you an example. And, and I think this is legit um, and doing all the tracking and everything else is, you know, when I look at the only thing I can do is tell you what I do on a daily basis. I think data is important. Telling the, the, the story of a, of the data is storytelling is, is highly important, but to do that, it's tough because like, if I look at a big project that I'm working on today, you know, I've got our customer data and our uh, platform of the community, right? And I'm trying to push that into Tableau and Salesforce and some other things to push into our ABX model or our account-based experience slash mark, uh, account-based uh, marketing model, whatever it's called, but uh, ABM model. And, Doing that is a huge lift, way bigger than I expected, because you know uh, that data has to move from uh, from the community platform over to uh, to Salesforce or to our CRM, and then over to Tableau to give you a nice dashboard and everything else. But to do that, you can't just boom do it. How do you automate the process? You know, and so we're having to start using. Uh, technologies like uh, Google BigQuery, we, we have to use technologies like we got to store the data in different areas, you know, and then they got to push out that data. But then, you know, like our platform, uh, the community platform doesn't have robust APIs, but they have something called mm -hmm. Activity Sync, which is even more complex. And so there's a learning curve for the data people to kind of push that data into Google BigQuery and some other things into Tableau, into Sales. I mean, it's just, it's a mess in, in a way, you know, like how do you, and, and things keep popping up. And so it's not an easy journey to do all of that, especially if you have a lot of that data, you know, does that make sense? Like, oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. And it's such, it can be such a challenge. Right. And services are getting better, right. There yes. is, there is more automation and kind of tailored templates to doing this work. Right. But at the end of the day, you know, even though there is overlap, things are going to vary. There's going, you're going to need to have flexibility in how you're doing your ETL and yeah. you know, how you're transforming the data, you know, especially when you get to things like real-time engagements, right? Yeah, I think that what oh. we're talking about today is more of kind of like a, something that even if it's not real-time could be something that has latency, right? Yeah. But what about if you're, if you're trying to make a decision instantly or subs in a sub-second manner, right? It becomes an incredibly challenging project that, probably needs a whole team of people working on it um, to do it effectively and monitor it and maintain it. Um, so, so hundred percent, there are so many ways that you could dive into this. Right. And I think yeah. that um, one of the reasons we can't really go too much deeper on this call is just, you know, there, there's thousands of different ways to approach yeah. something like this. Right. Well, um, let, let's, let's talk about, uh, and then we'll end it because I think it's important so I mentioned just a, one of the projects that I was working on and how, you know, it's challenging. So 
in addition to the challenge that I just mentioned, is there any other kind of challenges that businesses may face when implementing a data-driven customer experience strategy, maybe one or two that comes to your mind right off? Oh, 100%. Yeah. So think about things like security, right? Mm. The, you know, you have GDPR, you have the California Data Privacy Act, Data Protection Act, you know, there are so many new ways that you need to give users control of that data. So you've collected all this information, you've aggregated it from hundreds of different sources, whatnot. Mm. And then the user says, I don't want to be on your platform anymore. You have to go exactly. back and delete this information and in all of these different sources and all of these centralized sources and, and do so in a responsible way, right? And these are some, this is why yeah. regulation, and I'm completely for it, is, is helping enable and empower the customer because at least in the very minimum, you have this right to be forgotten on a platform, which previously you didn't have, even if you deleted an app. Yeah. Um, your data was still there and, and a lot of times it was still being sold to other, other customers, right? Um, I think that the other big challenge that you run into is overfitting your data to a specific use case, right? You say, okay, we're going to solve this problem. We'll go back to like the clothing problem, right? We're going to solve this problem of, you know, recommending the right piece of clothing for a customer at the right time. Mm. And you collect a few data points and you say, hey, we've got it. This aligns perfectly to the users that are buying our clothing the most frequently and for the highest value target. Here's the model we're going to launch. And what you realize or you don't realize at the time is that you've completely overfit your model to a sub-segment of the market, which is leaving a lot of money on the table, right? You're spending all of your marketing dollars and everything else to try to target this tiny sub-segment of the market. When if you had started asking bigger questions about, you know, do customers like this exist? Why are these customers purchasing these products? And kind of work backwards from that, that job of the customer the segments go away and it becomes much more focused on the needs of the customer and how do you track and understand more about customers to, to see if they really have those needs that your product's meeting. Well, that was good, man. I really appreciate uh, all those insights and uh, we hope that our audience really loved it. Um, thank you for tuning in to another Data Hurdles. My name is Chris Detzel and... I'm Michael Burke. Thanks, Michael. Thank you, guys.